You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. Happy Wednesday to you. As a reminder, tonight, live on Instagram, we're going to do the drawing for the Jersey giveaway, 8.30 p.m. Eastern time. My handle is the underscore Joe Marino. My wife and I are going to come on, hang out for a little bit, do the drawing, let you know which Bills game we plan on coming up for this year, and not plan on, we are coming up, everything's booked, and um, just uh, have some fun for about 30 minutes tonight on Instagram Live. So don't miss it, 8.30 p.m. Eastern time, the underscore Joe Marino on Instagram. All right, so it's herd mentality like we try to do each and every Wednesday here on the podcast, the episode where you take control of the discussion by sending in questions, and we have a lot of very good ones to get to, so let's start. First one today comes from Justin, who says, I read this ESPN article a few months ago, and I've been meaning to ask for your take. In short, the article ranks every quarterback drafted from 2017 to 2021 with the information you have today not just when they came out of college. And so the top 10 quarterbacks ranked were Patrick Mahomes, Trevor Lawrence, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, Justin Fields, Justin Herbert, and Zach Wilson. And so Justin's question to me is, how would you rank these 10 quarterbacks today if all were available and you were a general manager looking for a franchise quarterback? Feel free to include Trey Lance and Mac Jones, though I'm pretty sure I can guess where he'll end up. So my top 10 quarterbacks um, from this sample size, based on the information I know now, Patrick Mahomes, number one. Josh Allen is number two. Deshaun Watson, three. Joe Burrow, four. Five, Justin Herbert. Six, Trevor Lawrence. Seven, Justin Fields. Eight, Lamar Jackson. Nine, Kyler Murray. And 10, Zach Wilson. The next one comes from Matthias, who says, wanted to hear your opinion on this take. Certainly a lot of the offseason left, but how do you feel about this? I have a feeling that Zach Moss and Devin Singletary will be going at it and competing for the number one starting running back role in the offseason. Whichever one wins will get the number one role and the majority of the carries that come with it. And in turn, whoever does not win the starting role gets bumped down to the third string running back and most likely does not dress on game days. The problem is that I think Moss and Singletary are too similar to each other in their styles of play. I think that Matt Breida gets the number two role over the loser of the two. This is a fascinating talking point and one that I haven't really considered that much. If they really do believe that Moss and Singletary are too similar and they're going to dress three running backs on game day, the starter, Breida, because he brings a speed dynamic and might be the team's starting kick returner, in Taiwan Jones for special teams, you're probably not going to address that other player. And I think the Bills want Zach Moss to be the feature guy. I think you saw that happen last year as Zach Moss got healthy. He became more of the featured player. Now, the Bills always want to use two running backs. Sean McDermott has come out and said, it's not good to have one guy carry the load in the backfield. They are definitely a team that subscribes to the committee approach. But this is fascinating. One of these guys could become the TJ Yeldon. 
because the reality is neither Moss or Singletary have any special teams background. So this is really fascinating. Is there a chance it's more game to game? And if they feel like they need that speed threat in Brita, he will dress, but for the most part, it's going to be Singletary and Moss. This is a fascinating thing. I don't think there's an easy answer. I think Matthias brings up a good point that there's a chance that whoever loses out winds up being an inactive RB3. But this is something we need to be paying attention to as the offseason and training camp and preseason rolls along. The next one comes from Dylan, who says, This year the playoffs added an additional team, making it seven teams per conference as opposed to the regular six. Four division winners and two wild cards. My question is, if this seven-team format was the usual and was the format during the drought years, how long would the drought have lasted? Would we have sneaked into the seventh slot ever? The 2013 team, or maybe even 2003? If I remember correctly, there was a year where we played the Steelers for a win and in-game. They played their backups, and we still lost, leaving us out. I may not be remembering that right. I was fairly young. So, Dylan, if there was always seven seeds in the NFL playoffs, the Buffalo Bills playoff drought would not have been any shorter. Not once would they have claimed the seventh seed. Pretty unreal. (laughs) The playoff drought went as long as it did, especially when you add this layer to it. The Bills just never got there. They were never a playoff caliber team. Thankfully, those days are behind us. Vincent says, based on what you were saying in the Bills measuring up against the Chiefs podcast, the Bills need to run the ball better when they play Kansas City. That being said, what are the strengths and weaknesses of Spencer Brown and Tommy Doyle? Those dudes are huge. The Bills definitely need to become versatile to adapt their offense as needed to attack the opposing defense's weaknesses. Kind of like adding a slider or changeup to the fastball that Coach McDermott was referring to. I like that reference, Vincent. I do. And yes, I do think a critical component for the Bills to be able to knock off the Chiefs is running the football better in those games. So your question was specific to Spencer Brown and Tommy Doyle, the two offensive tackles that the Bills drafted this past year and what their strengths and weaknesses are. Both of those guys are big, long, physical blockers. They profile very well to the run game. Here's the question. What is their path to getting on the field? Neither one of them are going to play guard, so they have to play tackle. Well, Deion Dawkins is your left tackle, and you just signed Darrell Williams to a three-year extension. I don't think there's a reasonable path to either of them claiming a starting role this year, and unless they wind up moving on from Darrell Williams after this season for a cap savings of $5 million because they want to start Spencer Brown, there's just not a real path for them actually being able to make an impact on game day other than somebody gets hurt. So I do think they can help the run game. I just don't know that they're going to get in the lineup. Need to tell you guys about Bilt Bar. It's the best tasting protein bar on the planet. So many amazing flavors. My favorites right now are the coconut almond and the raspberry. They're all delicious. They're all covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. It's like eating a candy bar, but it's good for you. Built Bars are great for anyone who is health conscious. Whether you want to lose weight, maintain weight, or just indulge in a delicious treat, you have to try Built Bars. They're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and great for anyone who is on the keto diet. 
I've got a deal for you. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. RockAuto.com is a family business that's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and prices that you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Make sure you write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. They have amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need over at rockauto.com. Next one today comes from Tyler who says, We all know that we will more than likely have a few games against some rookie quarterbacks in the division this year, but what are some notable non-quarterback rookie matchups the Bills will have? Any tackles, corners, etc.? that we could take advantage of this season. Pick your top three matchups. All right, so this is actually a little bit more difficult than I expected when looking through the schedule because a lot of the obvious answers are the quarterbacks. And then I look at some of the other opponents, and they didn't necessarily have a rookie that I saw as I have to start type player. And so, you know, things could change. Guys get injured, all that type of stuff. But There wasn't anything that really stood out to me, but I did come up with three so that I can answer your question. The first one comes in week six. Caleb Farley, uh, cornerback for the Tennessee Titans, going up against Stephon Diggs. Obviously, I think the world of Caleb Farley, but he is coming back from injury, and Stephon Diggs is an elite receiver. So good luck drawing that assignment. Week 10, New York Jets. Elijah Vera Tucker, likely a starter at guard for them. He's going to have to deal with Ed Oliver, and I like Elijah Vera Tucker, But uh, it's a big shift for him coming from the Pac-12 to the NFL and dealing with an explosive pass rusher like Ed Oliver. And then Week 15, Carolina Panthers, they're going to have J.C. Horn as their number one cornerback. And like I said with Caleb Farley, I like J.C. Horn, but good luck with Stephon Diggs in your rookie season. Tyler had a bonus. He said, as a personal fan of his, how much of a hot take is it for me to think Joe Burrow will be a better quarterback than Justin Herbert? I'll tell you what, we recently did an episode of Draft Dudes where we built the perfect quarterback going back to 2018, and we went through all 10 of the traits that we used to evaluate quarterbacks, and we picked one quarterback for each trait. You couldn't use the same quarterback more than once. And I'll be honest with you, I wanted to use Joe Burrow like seven different times. So I like Justin Herbert. I think he was awesome as a rookie, but I don't think we've learned much about Joe Burrow in the NFL based on the circumstances in Cincinnati. That dude is off the charts talented. So I'm excited to see Joe Burrow. I don't think it's that much of a hot take. Obviously, right now, Justin Herbert has been the better quarterback, but let's see what happens this year. Hannah says, I am 12 years old and a huge fan of the Buffalo Bills. I'll be attending my first NFL game when the Bills play the Bears this preseason. Wondering if you had any memories to share from your first live Bills experience. I appreciate the question, Hannah, and I hope you enjoy your first game this preseason against the Chicago Bears. I'm sure that'll be a ton of fun. My first ever Bills game was November 26th, 1996. 
It was Bills versus Patriots. And I was, uh, what, 10 years old when this happened. The Bills lost that game 35-25. to The Bills were leading 25-12 to going into the fourth quarter, and the Patriots scored 22 unanswered points in the fourth quarter to win the game. Drew Bledsoe was a quarterback for the Patriots. Jim Kelly was a quarterback for the Bills. They combined to throw five interceptions in that game. Now, that's what happened in the game, but what do I remember most? about that experience. I remember being very anxious because I'd never been into a stadium like what was Rich Stadium at the time. I never was in a facility like that. So I was really interested in being in that environment and being in a stadium that seemed so big to me when I watched it on TV. And then what I really remember was packing sandwiches. My my dad packed my brother and I sandwiches. And you were, you were allowed to bring in a cooler to the stadium. So we had this cooler. We packed sandwiches to eat during the game. And I remember that water from the cooler got into my sandwich bag. And so I had to eat a soggy bread sandwich uh, at the football game. And I was really hungry. And it was really cold outside. And I was eating a sandwich with wet bread. That's that's one of my top, mem- <laughs> my top memories from the game. So uh, I'm thinking it's going to be a lot warmer for you. When you're going in the preseason and um, you can't bring a cooler in, so you won't have the same sandwich problem that I did. But I certainly hope you have a, a lot of fun, and uh, there's nothing quite like watching football live at the professional level. Kyle says, how do you think the return of preseason games this season will impact the Bills' undrafted free agents? I'm not sure if this is an oversimplification of a larger discussion, but I think having the opportunity to evaluate the bottom of the roster in live game action could give more opportunities for the 2021 UDFAs to make the roster that our 2020 class did not have. My concern is with the extra game added to the schedule and the Bills' late bye week, the preseason also increases the risk of injury for our depth players. Interested in hearing your take on this. Yeah, it's definitely a benefit to these players. And I think about not just the UDFAs this year, but some of the players last year that were drafted that we really haven't seen yet, whether that's Isaiah Hodgins or Jake Fromm. um, You know, those guys need reps. They need game experience to show what they can do for this football team. And so it's a big advantage for these young players. I think it's necessary. Um, The Bills have talented football players that just haven't had a chance to play. And they're not going to unless you have preseason. So, yeah, it's a huge benefit to these players, and I can't wait to see some of these guys in action. Next one today comes from Matt, who says, Since Star Latulale was not at the OTA this past week, is there an instant where he could go to training camp for a couple of weeks and then decide this is a young man's sport and retire? You see this happen from time to time during training camp where players walk away and realize they don't have it anymore. If this does happen, are there any free agents or a current player that could step into his role. So yes, there's definitely a possibility that this happens. I will say that I'm sure you saw this, but on Twitter on Tuesday afternoon, video of Star Latulale working out came onto the timeline. And he looked explosive and moved well, and it was good to see him doing football things. I think we've all been a little bit nervous. He's been out of sight, out of mind. We're all wondering where he's at. We hope that he would be at OTAs and get some type of an update from Coach McDermott, and um, unfortunately, he wasn't there. So we've all been wondering. I still am. I'm still concerned about what type of impact he can have, but I am more encouraged that he's going to actually play this season. Now, as far as replacement players 
Um, I think obviously on the roster, Harrison Phillips and Vernon Butler are the logical candidates to step in and compete for that role. But if the Bills were to go outside of the organization, I think you have to really target Mike Pennell, um, former Kansas City Chiefs. He's a one-tech through and through. I think you look at Daniel McCullers, you look at Corey Peters, but to me, even right now with Starla Tule coming back, I'd love to see them go after Mike Pennell from the Kansas City Chiefs. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and the UFC. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get in the game. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use our promo code Locked On. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. The next one today comes from Connor, who says, "Assuming Christian Wade were to make this year's roster, how do you feel about him being our kick returner? Explosive speed. I like to go back and watch his first ever NFL touch." that he took for a touchdown, and rugby involves kickoffs as well as kicking as part of their game. It seems like it could translate well. I'll say this. If Christian Wade does make the roster, I think part of the reason why that would be true is that Wade won the kick returner job. So if he can beat out Matt Breida for the scat back type role and bring value as a kick returner, That's going to give him a shot. I think that's his path. If you wanted to find the path for Christian Wade to make the team, it's beating out Matt Breida and also proving he can be a kick returner. And obviously, we saw what he's capable of with the ball in his hands, and he's got some really nice physical traits that translate well to that style of play. So I think that's the most interesting idea I've seen yet when it comes to Christian Wade and the realistic course for him to make the roster. Franklin says, my question has to do with the potential one-tech depth signings. All of the marquee defensive tackles available, namely Geno Atkins, Jarrell Casey, and Kawan Short, are all primary three-technique players. And trying to avoid what we ran into last year, playing three-techs out of position and therefore being less effective, who are the marquee one-tech players available? So I kind of tease my answer by saying Mike Pennell. He's the guy that I would want. Uh, former Kansas City Chief, spent some time with the Green Bay Packers. I mean, he should be on a roster. I think the Bills should sign him right now, and he'd be a wonderful player to platoon with Starla Tule, and you know what you're getting. Daniel McCullers, former Pittsburgh Steeler, he's massive. He would fit well as a one-tech, and then Corey Peters, who's had a long career in the NFL as a one-tech, nose-tackle-type player. So those are the three names with Mike Pennell really being the banner guy. Alexander says, can you explain the concept of a player maxing out their frame and how you determine that when looking at their height and weight? It's a good question. We talk about this with draft prospects quite a bit. And it's not necessarily just height and weight. You have to look at their body composition. And you can look at a player and tell if they have room to grow, right? Like, are they kind of lanky and not very thick? Can you see where they can add bulk? And it's just more of a feel thing that you develop from looking at different body types for years and years and years and understanding different body transformations that have happened in the NFL and what guys used to look like and what they look like now and what similarities you can draw 
from guys that actually did add to their frame. And so it's getting your eyes on these players, and it's not always something you can identify from watching them on video. And that's why going to the Shrine game and the Senior Bowl and going to games and practices and seeing players at the NFL Scouting Combine to get an idea for what their body composition is actually like, that's going to give you the clues that you need to make that type of assessment and say, okay, this guy's maxed out or they're not. I mean, look at a player like Levi Wallace. That guy's not getting any bigger. He's lean-limbed, narrow build. I mean, that guy is maxed out. He was a 140-pound high school football player that got up to 179 pounds in Alabama. He's not getting any bigger. You know, you, you can kind of look at that type of stuff too, and that's part of my process. I look at players and have down what weight they were when they got to college and what weight they are coming out of college to give yourself an understanding of how far they've come to this point. And it gives you clues about what that ceiling is or what that floor is. And so um, it takes a lot of time on task evaluating football players to know, but it just comes down to that body composition. Martin says, Joe, I am truly astounded that almost 100% of the many season predictions I have seen have us going 6-0 and Against our division. Last year, absolutely. This year, the Jets, Dolphins, and Patriots have all significantly improved their roster. The receiving core that the Jets have with Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, and Jamison Crowder, and the Dolphins with Will Fuller, Jalen Waddell, Devontae Parker, and not to mention Mike Gusecki. In my opinion, those receiving cores versus our corner situation is a serious mismatch. The Patriots and Bill Belichick will always be a difficult game, especially with their free agent signings. Is it just me or do you think a ton of people are overlooking our division? I think you bring up a fair point. And I don't think when it's all said and done, I'm going to predict the Bills to go 6-0 and again in the division this year. It's just unlikely that that would happen. I do think there is a lot to be said about the Jets, Dolphins, and Patriots and how they all got better this offseason. And you look at the Bills and some people will say, well, they're the exact same team, which is a narrative that I've fought hard so far this offseason. And I think I'm going to do a podcast coming up on that exact talking point again because I still see it out there. I'm still seeing people say, well, the Bills are exactly the same, which is a very short-sighted take and not taking into account the growth of players on the team. The Bills got better last year because Josh Allen got better. So who are the players this year that can get better, that can make the team better, that are already there? Ed Oliver, Dawson Knox, A.J. Epinesa, Tremaine Edmonds, healthy Matt Milano, Cody Ford. The running backs, right? Like, I mean, to just say that because the same players are back, that the team didn't get better, that's just a short-sighted take. And so, while I think it's easy to say the Jets, Patriots, and Dolphins all got better, I think the Bills did too. Okay, so there's that piece of it. However, it's just unlikely that the Bills are going to go 6-0 and again this year, especially considering that those teams did get better. I think the gap has been narrowed a little bit. So I do think it is a very favorable, optimistic, and aggressive take to predict the Bills to once again go 6-0 and in the division. I think the Bills will win the division. They should be the favorite. They have the target on their back, right? They are the hunted. They should be the favorite this year, widely considered the favorite. But this is not going to be a cakewalk. That Dolphins team won 10 games last year. They're better. 
The Patriots won, were 7-9 with that roster. No weapons whatsoever. Banged up offensive line. Terrible quarterback play. They won seven games last year. And the Jets can't be worse, right? I think they're going to be better coached. They have a better quarterback situation now. Better offensive line. Better weapons. Some new pieces on defense. Yeah, it's going to be a tougher path. I think the Bills will probably still go 5-1 and one or 4-2 and two in the division, but 6-0 and oh is an aggressive prediction that when I do my Bills game-by-game game season prediction, I, I will not have the Bills going 6-0 and oh in the division. All right, folks, that's going to do it for us today here on the podcast. I hope you'll come hang out with us tonight, 8.30 p.m. Eastern time on Instagram. Again, my handle is the underscore Joe Marino. From what I understand is we're going to get media availability at the Bills OTAs on Wednesday. And so that should give us some stuff to talk about for the Thursday podcast. If we get to hear from McDermott or Allen or we find out about players being in town and who's not in town, all that type of stuff, we'll see what nuggets we can get. If we have enough, that'll be our Thursday podcast. If not, I've got something else lined up, so don't worry about it. I'm really excited about what I have lined up for Friday. I'm not going to tell you what it is because I want to make sure it happens. But, uh, if it does, it's going to be a really good one. I don't think we should have any issues. We're trending in the right direction, but since it is with a guest and until that thing is recorded, I don't want to promise anything and I don't want to throw my guest under the bus if for some reason it, it doesn't work out, but Friday is going to be a fun one. It's going to be a really fun one. I, I have a good feeling about it. So don't miss anything. Make sure you're subscribed. I would love it if you took a second to rate and review the podcast. Have a great day and I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.